And it's Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show where we get into our 20 million movement Bible study. 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible around the world on the same day at the same, well, kind of maybe at the same time. Well, the day travels around the world, so whenever they're studying it, it's around about this time uh, around the world. We certainly do it all on the same week, so you can be a part of a global movement by joining us here. And we have been studying how to deal with difficult passages in the Bible this week. But before we get into that, we do have some important announcements to make. Uh, One of them being... Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And I have to say, I was looking down right away, Live More Happy. I said, oh, I have to see if it includes one thing. And it does. Scientifically proven ways to lift your mood and your life. And one of them is... Um, blue and green time, outside time. That was one of the things I had to see if it was on there to, before I could recommend the book. Because you were having some blue and green. You were having blue and yellow time yesterday. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. I wonder if it's as good for you as blue green time. I'm going to have to look I into believe that. it is because I did some research onto this because we're in the process of renovating our house. And I looked into what colors are going to bring the most happiness in other words, the highest mood level and the least amount of depression. Of course, your dark colors are going to cause depression. What's interesting, um, I'm going to go sidetrack here for a second, but a lot of people who are depressed choose dark colors. And what that does is it creates a vicious circle because the dark colors then make them more depressed. You know, that's interesting because right now with interior design, I feel like people are loving grays and maroon, dark maroon and grays. And there is a pandemic of depression right around our world. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. Uh, The color that is going to be the most effective in a house in dealing with depression apparently is yellow. So can I come help you? We could do a blue stripe, a green stripe, a yellow stripe. Do you think your wife would like that? No. (laughs) Your living room. There was a a couple of colors there. yellow. It would just be so fun. A couple of colors in our house. I'm like, these colors have to go. And she's like, yeah, but I really like them. Like, no, they have to go. But she does like yellow. Yellow oh, is her favorite go. color. So, and I am happy with yellow. I like white. White's my favorite color. But oh, you sound a, like my parents. It's a bit Everything's stark. white. White's awesome. What's uh, wrong with white? White's so boring. There's no character. It's just uh, it's white. All right. We are going to solve this problem right now. White is the ultimate color, and I can prove it to you. Oh, dear. So here it comes. You ready? I got to find one, too. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Um, all the colors. Like, I really love all the colors. Ooh, that means... No, 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 no. I'm going to read mine first. I'm going to read mine first. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be clothed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Clean and white is the color of God's church. Uh-huh. And then God said, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. Rainbows constantly remind us of God's promises. What is greater than God's promises? Time to do that house in rainbow colors. What is greater than Christ's righteousness? Be- which is a promise. Which You're is, just doing one of is, my promises. Which is, which is symbolized by white. But one of the promises, you're just under my category. I'm just asking. So you're saying that there is something greater than Christ's righteousness. You know, this is an interesting conversation considering (laughs) that our theme for today is humble. (laughs) Be humble. So maybe you should think about, you know, being humble and the fact that rainbow Well, we were having a conversation here in the studio yesterday. Mm. And Liam informed us that he was the most humble person in the office. Yeah, that was quite convincing. But I think 
as a result of this conversation, I've just suddenly found that I am. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've discovered oh, this. I, well, I wonderful. Think Let's see how I you think feel I've, at the end I'm going of this to, Sabbath school I'm lesson. I'm going to claim that I'm more humble than Liam. Oh, Wow. Well, this room, guys, in case you're wondering, <laughs> listeners, is quite full of big heads. <laughs> I may, there might not be room for me anymore. <laughs> I'm out in the hallway for some reason. I don't know why I'm out here, but I'm sure you guys can figure it out. Yeah, because it's because you're just like super humble. Oh, am I? I've <laughs> <laughs> made no such okay. claims. <laughs> we are having some fun here this morning and it's good to have fun on Breakfast Radio, but we oh, wait, do need what? to recognize. Yes. Where are my cookies? Your cookies. My cookies. I know yesterday you went home, looked in the cupboards for vanilla extract, and you had to make me a batch of cookies. I was really expecting a warm batch of cookies this morning while you discovered the benefits of vanilla extract. Cookie? Yeah. Well, um, you know, if I was to bring cookies to work, you might not get past the first bite. <laughs> Did, I have made cookies at some, st- well, of course, Bickies, because uh, I grew up calling them Bickies. Uh, and I think in primary school I do remember making Anzac bickies, but you know when my wife goes away and she would like to go away at the moment, praying that she can go and visit her father who's not well. Um, I don't do sweets because I just cook what's necessary to live, and sweets are not necessary to live. So I don't think I've cooked cookies since I, since primary school. Oh, that's unfortunate. All right, being humble. <laughs> okay, back back on the subject. In other words, Angela, back on the subject. Thank you for pulling us back on the subject. Being humble. Let's uh, let's all be humble this morning. Let's let every nobody know how humble we are. Um, no, <laughs> let's go to our first passage, which is James chapter four, verse six to ten. So that's James four six to ten. All right, and it says. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay, so there's a number of passages here that talk about the importance of humility. And when it comes to understanding Bible, difficult Bible passages, does our ego ever come into play with understanding difficult Bible passages? And, uh, I mean, men are renowned for their ego, but you know what? Women are not immune from having an ego either. I'm going to refrain from commenting. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it that we struggle with being told that we are wrong? Why is it that we struggle being it being revealed that we are wrong? Because your confidence grows out of what you can do. And so when all of a sudden you realize you can't do things, that shakes you to the core and it's not a great feeling to be there. So if it's not a great feeling, why would I want to go there? Okay, so so often what happens then, because we don't want to go there, we avoid it by arguing the point rather than hum- humbly accepting the fact that we were wrong. Yeah, very so common. It's one of these things that I think actually has a major, major role to play in understanding difficult passages and in also dealing with the conflict that arises around difficult passages because difficult passages 
always produce conflict. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let me ask you this question, Angela. Has there ever been a Bible truth that you have preached, later found out it was wrong, and had to preach something different in relationship to that truth? Well, I haven't preached that many times, but I... Preached, taught, you're a school teacher, so I know you've taught Bible like a gazillion times. Um, yeah, I definitely think there's been times that I had a certain view on something. Actually, I can think of something right now. And then I realized that I just haven't read the text to its fullest, or I was specifically trying to get something that I wanted, the message I wanted out of it. Um, yeah, I can definitely think of an example right now. I can think of a number of examples. Do you, do you want to share it on it? Oh, sure. So mine was when Moses was going to cross the Red Sea. And for some reason, I got stuck on the concept that um, it's be still. And if you read the rest of the passage, um, God asks Moses, what are you doing just standing there? Go forward in faith. And I was, um, not that there aren't times that God tells us to be still, but this isn't one of them. (laughs) And it's very clear that I just had stopped right there and I'd written something next to it in my Bible because it says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Um, And Moses is telling the people just to stand still. And it's not just a time to just stand still. The Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And this whole time I was thinking, I don't know, I just never read verse 15. I just stopped at 13 and 14. I was like, all right, the Lord's going to fight for me. I'm just going to sit still. (laughs) And there's times for that. But this wasn't one of them. This was the one where they put their foot forward and started walking. There you go. (laughs) I I have a couple of... uh examples as well and it's kind of you know it's it's kind of confronting and i am confronted right now by sharing on the radio things that i have taught and preached and then had to change my view Mm -hmm. because my ego doesn't like it right now my ego is is taking a bit of a beating because it's like Lyle, you need to talk about these things. You need to be honest and real with people. And it's like, well, you know, I'd rather forget about them and kind of pretend that that never happened. And that was a long way back in the past. And I'm pretty sure there's nobody alive right now who remembers when I used to take that particular view. <laughs> and so I can get away with it. Yeah, I don't have that problem. I'm pretty sure everyone's still alive. That's heard me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. 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 Just helping you be humble. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Oh, it's just... And to think that I invited you to come here onto Breakfast Radio. <laughs> Will I be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen? Now you know why. <laughs> okay, so if Angela is not here tomorrow... Um, and we don't know whether Angela will be here tomorrow, then uh, yeah, maybe this will be the reason why. Okay, so um, there have been a number of uh, examples. Let me just see if I can find one here. And in finding this one, there's going to be a bunch of people who were going to say, you should never have changed your position. Oh. But that's all right. I have a position. I hold my position. I am prepared to defend my position. Matthew okay. chapter 24. Here we go. Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says, um, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Two, uh, Sorry, verse 40. Two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. The question is who is taken and who is left. Now, I used to take the view that those were taken were taken to heaven. Then I changed that to the view that those who were taken were taken in death. 
And I preached that for a number of years until I found something where I was like, you know what? I don't agree with that position anymore. And now I take the view that those who are taken are taken to heaven. Because I was shown something that was pretty conclusive. In fact, it was conclusive. It was like, well, you can't argue with that. And so as a result of that, I have had two different positions on this passage that I have moved backwards and forwards between. And? And? Okay, so I don't really have a lot of time to get into all of the context here, but I will give you um, one passage that we can look at very briefly, and that's Luke's account of this same uh, sermon. So if we go over to the book of Luke. I think this goes right along with the theme of today and the fact that um, difficult passages... And we want to approach it humbly, but we also want to have certainty. And so here you have a very difficult passage that, how can we have certainty? Yeah, okay. So the Bible says in Luke chapter 17, verse 35, Two women shall be grinding together, one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. And verse 37 you don't find in Matthew's account. Because in verse 37 the disciples ask, Where? Now, the grammatical antecedent to that is left. So those that are left, where are they left? And he replies and tells you where they're left. Wherever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So those that are left are left dead on the earth, and those that are taken are taken to heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. Found some context. Somebody showed me that. I'd never seen that before. I was like, you know what, that's, that's pretty... And then I found some other things and there was a long Bible study and much heart searching. And I... And you know what? what? I just kind of quietly changed my view on it. The next time I preached on it, I preached the opposite of what I preached before. Rather than standing up and saying, hey, you know what? I've been wrong for all these years. Now, the reality is that this is not a life-shattering... You know, and people are going to say, oh, you're dealing with minutia. This is not life-shattering change of belief that I've dealt with in this particular passage. But for a preacher who publicly stands up and preaches a particular thing, it can be quite confronting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one that I've changed my view on, I started off with one view, then I changed it one way, and then I came back to the original view, which is what I did uh, with this passage, was a subject that you and I have had some interesting discussions on. Okay. The daily. <laughs> I was going to go there, but I said, hmm, maybe I shouldn't, because I was like, I wonder, he sp- says with a such certainty, will he ever have to humble himself? No. <laughs> I will never have to humble myself on this one again. <laughs> this one is conclusive. No, nah, it's, um, but once again, it's one of those areas where we need to approach these kinds of issues with humility and recognize that there are going to be people out there and that that do know more or different things that we don't know mm-hmm. and maybe there will be a time on uh, you know these issues or other issues these are certainly not the only ones that i have read and studied um in detail that i've had to you know change my position on because i've had to come and honestly examine what the Bible says, and do so with humility. And I think that is the beauty of the Christian walk. Absolutely. Is honestly, the discovery. And, and what any other field can we have discoveries that don't say, oh, I was wrong. And this, is, and this is a really important point because 
we need to recognize our humanity mm. and we need to not be ashamed of our humanity but to recognize our humanity and say, so, okay, as human beings, we are going to fail and we are going to get things wrong. And because we are going to fail and we are going to get things wrong, let's just face up and accept it when we do. And then let's be incredibly encouraged because we have somebody who knows all the answers who is going to lift us up. That's the promise in James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves on the side of the Lord and he will lift you up. Indeed, indeed. And that very process of being humbled, the very painful process of being humbled, we actually get lifted up. It's incredible. That is, because God doesn't, God doesn't want to humiliate us for the sake of humiliating us in the way that we are tempted to humiliate other people. Mm-hmm. Our temptation as human beings is to humiliate another person because the lower we push that person, the higher we feel that we raise ourselves. God's never going to be motivated by that because God, no, nothing can be higher, nobody can be higher than God. And that's not the, the character of God anyway. God is not humiliating us so that he can feel better about himself. And so he's not going to be pushing us down in a way that will do so. God humbles us so that he can exalt us. Amen. So the humbling that comes from God is a humbling that we should embrace. Well, think of a Jesus on the cross, the most humbling experience, but that was him at his highest. Yeah, and that's a powerful example right there. Mm-hmm. That is the most powerful example. I mean, to be, you know stripped naked and nailed to a cross and humiliated in front of the entire nation and executed as a criminal, that's the example that Jesus has given us of, you know, what God is prepared to do for us. And And that's where the love shines the brightest. And that humble act, the love shines the brightest. And that's where Jesus says, if I be exalted, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, I was just scanning down through this. Mm-hmm. And I came across verse 17. Okay. I'm going to read for us verse 17. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked and do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel. Okay. We're going to hold this one for our question of the day. But if you faithfully follow me as David your father did... Hmm. Did David faithfully follow God? That's really, the, that's really the essence of our question for question of the day. And uh, we're going to draw some um, inf- interesting uh, thoughts out of this one that you may not have considered before. So do stay tuned for question of the day. But let's go back to uh, Solomon's prayer here. Uh, no, this is the Lord's response to Solomon, I should say, where he says in verse, uh, what was it, verse 14? Yes. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land. How important is humility right here? Incredibly important. Pivotal. Incredibly important. Have you ever heard the saying, of course you've heard the saying, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Yes. 
That one, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And this is one of the principles that we teach in Bible work. The most, you know, when you're studying the Bible with somebody, the most dangerous thing you can ever say is yes, but. Mm. And the reason that that little phrase is considered to be a Bible worker's swear word is because it is an argumentative phrase. Yes. And it takes a lot of spiritual maturity to be able to be in a Bible study and to be able to use yes, but in a way that does not simply confirm a person into the position that they are already in. And if you are saying yes, but to that particular position, then that is because that position is a wrong position, or at least in your perception, it is a wrong position. And you are taking a different position By using the words yes, but you are being argumentative and the moment you do, you have forever confirmed the other person in error. Hmm. That's the principle we work on. Yes. Now, there are odd occasions when the other person is not eternally confirmed into error as a result of an argument. But those occasions are incredibly rare and almost non-existent and so um, this is one of the reasons why the Bible says that we need to humble ourselves because we need to be spiritually mature enough so that when we are in a Bible study with somebody and the person that we are studying with says yes but we don't get confirmed into the position that we're in but we continue to study to find out whether or not they have truth or whether they are just spouting forth with error and I think a really easy way to see that is if you apologize with a but. All of a sudden, the apology means very little if I ended it with a but. I'm sorry, but, and I try to oh, justify yeah, yeah, yeah. myself. It You're just not sorry doesn't at all. work. Yeah. yeah. So I think the same idea applies here. You're yes. just totally confirming that, no, I, I was in the wrong, or I mean, I was in the right. I'm sorry, you were in the wrong if I end it with a but. And it's the same thing with any conversation. I'm just confirming that you are wrong and uh-huh. I'm right. Uh, this is a very important point, very powerful point you just raised right there. Okay, so humility is going to be incredibly important. Let's go to Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 12. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 12. The book of the Bible we don't spend a lot of time in. One of the minor prophets um, over there between the major prophets and the New Testament. And Angela is struggling to find Zephaniah. <laughs> I think it's all of like, what, three chapters long? Yeah, I think it's a whole like one or two pages. All right, Zephaniah 3 verse 12. I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Okay, so the Bible talks about a meek and humble people in this passage, and this is something that is desirable for the Christian. Mm-hmm. Yes. So humility is one of, those, one of those things that makes us feel weak, but it is actually something that only a very, very powerful person can do. Because it's a person who has self-control. And it's a person who walks with confidence. Because if you notice, there's a promise in that. You are meek and humble, and you have trust in the Lord. You, who's giving you that yes. trust? They're give, God is giving you that trust, right? And I was just thinking about the idea of the apology, right? If I am sorry, though I may have been in the right, I have the confidence that says, you know what? I can be the bigger person and tell you I'm sorry without needing to explain myself. If you come around the end to what it was, but it's okay, I can admit that I can see that I hurt you or that I've caused something in you. That, to me, is the stronger one, and that's where the humbleness shines with certainty. 
That is so true and so powerful. That's an incredibly powerful statement right there. And imagine how much conflict we would be able to bypass within Christianity if we could do the apology without the but on the end. Yes. And if we could do the apology, you know, even when we don't feel that we need to, Mm -hmm. but we can do the apology just to be the bigger person. Well, just to humble ourselves because we can, I think humbling yourself is true love. I mean, that's what was displayed on the cross. That's what, you know, is displayed with between each other as we humble ourselves. It's because I'm thinking of you before myself. That's the very definition of love. And it shows that we're thinking of a bigger picture. Because rather than just thinking of ourselves, we are thinking of the salvation of others, which might be one other person or it might be a large group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we can stand on principle and defend our position to the death, which is kind of the attitude that my natural human heart takes, <laughs> but at the expense of others. And mm-hmm. we need to stop and consider, okay, what is going, what, what, what are the ramifications? What is the big picture here? And what will be the result of you know, my determination not to apologize and not to admit any level of wrong whatsoever at all in this particular situation? Mm-hmm. And it's living with that certainty that says, I trust that God will show me truth. I trust that God will lead me. Um, I trust that God wants to um, exalt me someday, but it doesn't need to be now. And so it's living with that certainty as well. Job was somebody who God humbled, and we were going to spend some time talking about Job. We've got a little bit of time left. Did Job need to be humbled? That's a really good question. Personally, I've always wrestled with that ending of Job, where God seems to come so strong on him when he was just defending God. And the fact that his friends were saying that God caused all this stuff, and Job was like, no, that's not God. And God and Job seems to be building this big case for defense of God, and all of a sudden God comes in and was like, who are you? Yeah, you don't know anything. Yeah. You know nothing. You, know, you see nothing. And, you know, when I look at that particular story right there, I liken it to somebody who is looking through a keyhole and sees a very small picture. Hmm. And Job is defending God from the position of the very small picture he can see. And when God comes along and says, hey, there's a much bigger picture right here, then in what, what he's actually doing is giving Job the opportunity to defend God from a bigger picture. And while it is humbling for Job, it is exalting for Job. And so Mm. humbling and humility can be exalting at the same time. Mm. 